Good morning. Uh, my name is Gareth, and I'm part of the clergy team here, and I'm going to be sharing with you uh, f- briefly from God's Word this morning on this Baptism Sunday. It is so good to be with you. And I want to start, before I read out a short passage of Scripture, in a slightly odd place with what may seem like a, a slightly odd opening gambit on a day like today. But I was reminded in preparation for this morning of an article that I read um, that came out in March 2020, written by a kind of practical theologian called Andy Crouch. And this article was entitled, Leading Beyond the Blizzard. And his point in this article, written to some church leaders and some business people and to genuinely anyone who was about to face what was ahead, bear in mind this was March 2020, was that the context of COVID that we were facing was not simply a short blizzard that we had to get through, nor was it necessarily just going to be a bit of a long winter, but rather it was a little ice age, a little ice age that had the potential to change the landscape. Now, at the time, people thought this was a pretty pessimistic prediction, but nearly 18 months later, it seems like it was pretty prophetic as we look back not only on the last 18 months, but consider what might be in the 18 months or so that lies ahead. Now, as I said, this may seem like an odd place to start on a baptism Sunday when we're celebrating God's goodness and faithfulness, but I've been sitting with this image for a little while, and I've been reflecting on it and wrestling with it. And it strikes me that as much as this helps me make sense of the big picture of the pandemic, actually this speaks quite specifically into actually the sort of seasons and situations that you and I go through in our faith. Because if you're like me, you will have gone through some pretty bad blizzards. You may, in your Christian faith, have actually endured some long winters. You may even recognize that you've gone through a little ice age. Actually, when we are baptized Christians, when we say yes to following Jesus, battles and blessings, blizzards, winters, and even little ice ages are often part of what shake and shape our Christian faith. And again, this may seem like an oddly dour place to start, but in this, and in response to this, I felt like God reminded me and would remind us this morning of two things. That God is the one who has seen and outlasted a thousand little ice ages. And there is no thing that God can see, either in the world around us or in your life, no season or situation, no mistake or misstep that God sees and finds unprecedented. God has seen it all. Every season and situation, every winter and little ice age, he's seen it, he's outlasted it, he's not stressed out by it. Number two, despite the cold, hard conditions that come with these seasons, with ice ages, actually it's often in and through these seasons and situations, it's in and through ice ages that landscapes are formed, that some of the most beautiful features in our world are formed. And so, this morning, as on the one hand, 
we have heard and as we have taken part in and as we are celebrating promises that we make to follow Jesus and to support other people as they follow Jesus. But also, as we are still emerging out of lockdown and processing so much of what has gone behind us, and actually as we're processing whatever blizzard or winter that you may well be facing right now, I want to read over you, to you and over you, a passage of Scripture from Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. And if you've got a Bible or a device, you may want to look it up, but I'm going to read these words to you and over you now. Paul writes, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it onto completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And it is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. And God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is a little extract from a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. Uh, It was a letter written under blizzard conditions. He was in prison. It is one of more than one of Paul's lockdown letters written to the church. And one of the things that is striking about this letter from that opening, and this isn't always obvious in what Paul writes to the churches, is that Paul is genuinely fond of the Philippians. Like he actually likes the people that he's writing to. He's writing to them, and he is really glad and grateful to be part of the same church, the same team, the same family as them. They're his partners in the gospel. And actually, he's really excited about the future. He's really excited about what God has in store for them. He's really excited about what God has done and will do in them and through them. And so just as I say this, I want to turn to you, Elias, and say, we... I think it's fairly, fairly obvious uh, from what's been shared so far. We, as a church, are really glad and grateful that you and James are with us. We're so excited that you're part of our family, and we're really excited about what God has in store for you. But despite Paul's obvious fondness for the Philippians, here's the thing that really strikes me, is the basis upon which he is excited and confident about what God has in store for them in the future. Let me read it again, verse 6. I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it onto completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That he who began a good work in you will carry it through to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, this verse is more than a little Pinterest promise, right? It's more than something that simply looks good on the gram on your fridge magnet at home. Actually, what Paul is saying is he's saying in quite a profound way, not only what he believes is going to happen, but the basis upon which he is excited about what is in store for the Philippians. 
And notice what he does not say. He doesn't say to them, I'm really excited about you and your future, church in Philippi, because actually, I see you're actually really good at spiritual disciplines. He doesn't say to them, I'm really excited about what's in store for you, because I see that you have some good structures in place and a strategy for growing your community. He doesn't say to them, hey, I'm really uh, excited and I've got every confidence in you because you're really competent at being church and, uh, and actually, or even because you have got great character. Now, don't misunderstand me. I love all of those things. I long for all of those things in my life and in the church. But notice what Paul does say. He is confident because he who began a good work in you will carry it through to completion. This isn't dependent on their skill set, but on the faithful character of God. And it strikes me sometimes that what holds us back in our faith, what holds us back from committing, is that we think that if we take a step of faith, if we move forward, if we say yes to following Jesus, that we, we can't and shouldn't do this because we don't have it in us to complete this journey. But that's not what Paul says is the basis of the confidence he has in the exciting future that lies ahead for the Philippians. He who began a good work in you will carry it through to completion. And actually, I think this is a big thing to remember on the day in which we've had a baptism. Because sometimes we talk about baptism primarily as being a, a day where we make a big decision to follow Jesus. And of course, it is that. We also talk about it as being a day where we make a public declaration of faith. And of course, it is that too. But primarily, baptism is possible because of what God has done in Christ for us. And the reason that we have baptisms, the reasons that we do this today, is because it is a moment where we recognize that Jesus has died for us, actually that Jesus has begun a good work, by his Holy Spirit he can and will carry it through to completion. Sometimes I think we think of our Christian journey as starting by being saved by grace. That maybe at the beginning, God plucks us out of darkness or a difficult situation and then sets us on the way for us to do the rest and make it to the destination on our own. But actually, that's not what this verse promises. It promises that he who began a good work in you will carry it through to completion. The pastor Martin Lloyd-Jones once put it like this. Were I to believe that my future is dependent upon myself and my decisions, I would tremble in fear. But I thank God that I know that I am in his hand, and he who has begun a good work in me will go on with the work, in spite of myself and what I, I, what I was and am. The Lord will not let me go. He will not his purpose forego. Baptism doesn't mean that we won't face blizzards. It doesn't mean that we won't even face the occasional long winter or little ice age. And if we were talking about a situation where we were just going to journey in our own strength, where it was entirely dependent upon our skill set, then yes, we would be in trouble. But it's he who began a good work in you who will carry it through to completion. And as I land, I, I, I don't just want to draw from this passage what 
what, the, what God promises and what the basis of Paul's confidence is. I also want to draw to your attention the reason why God is faithful to his promise. Paul points out in this passage not only that God is faithful to finish what he starts, but he gives us a little glimpse of why and how and in what way. Because there are many different ways that you can faithfully fulfill a promise, right? There are many different postures that you can have as you fulfill a promise. So, for example, you can fulfill a promise kind of reluctantly, almost regretfully. So, for, so for example, imagine that you sit down after a long day and then someone in your family reminds you how you'd promised to give them a lift or to do something around the house. And it's as if you kind of sigh and you go, yep, yep, I did say I was going to do that, didn't I? And you do it, but you do it reluctantly, regretting you ever made the promise in the first place. Or you can make uh, and fulfill a promise out of cold, hard duty. It's not something that you want to do. It's not something that you particularly enjoy, but you've said it, and so you're going to do it with absolute sober duty. Or you can kind of fulfill a promise, or you can carry something through to completion out of just a sense of curiosity. Imagine you're reading a book or watching a TV series, and halfway through, you decide you don't really like it, but you think, I've got this far, I may as well get to the end. And I sometimes think that some of us envisage that even if we're confident that God is going to fulfill his promise to carry the good work he started in us through to completion, that he does it out of one of those postures, that actually God is going, yeah, actually, it was, it's written down in my word somewhere, isn't it, that I would uh, be faithful to fulfill my promises. So I better do it. Or that God is somehow thinking, you know what, I'm just, this is just what I've said, this is my character, and in a cold, hard, dutiful way, I'm going to persevere with this person. Or that God is just looking at you going, wow, what a mess they've made. I'm really intrigued to see how this ends up. I'm going to keep going just to see if we can finish this. I think that as silly as those sounds, I think some of us fundamentally think that that is how God is faithfully fulfilling his promises to keep going with us. But there's this phrase at the end of what I read that I've found really striking in preparation for today. And in verse 8, Paul says, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Now, in the first instance, what Paul is doing is saying, this is how strongly I feel about you, that it's like how Jesus feels about you. When Paul is reaching for a way to describe and to explain and to put into context the strength of his feeling, he reaches for the phrase, the affection of Jesus. And if you were to use the original translation, it basically says the heart of Jesus, how Jesus feels in his, almost in his guts for you. I don't know if you know that the love that God has for you isn't simply a cold, dutiful love. It isn't simply this abstract, objective love. 
when he says he will finish what he started, when he says he's faithful to fulfill his promises to carry to completion the good work he started in you, he doesn't do it because, gosh, he thinks he has to or because he's just interested to find out what happens. He does it because he has affection for you. Jesus feels affection for you. It's not just a cold, hard, dutiful love. It's affection that he feels for you. He's faithful because he's affectionate. Because actually, he really longs for you to become the person that he's created you to be. He who began a good work in you will carry it through to completion because he loves you and he longs for you to be part of his family and he longs for you to be the person he made you to be. He is faithful, but he's also affectionate. And so I'm just going to read this passage and the final verses for us and over us around. And so, St. Nick's, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And it is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. And God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in the knowledge and depth and insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen.